what words do you need to hear or to say in your own life when you are afraid? Well, that's just the kind of question that we like to really get into uh, in this podcast. And that means you are listening to Poetry, Gossip, and the Pursuit of Pleasure with your host, Dale Byron. That's me. Uh, This is a place where we explore the creative and practical uses of poetry, uh, poems that can help us in our everyday lives, as we say, finding little pockets of joy, sanity, and connectedness. So the title, which comes from that question, is what to hear when afraid, what to hear when afraid. And I guess I really mean, as I was thinking about this episode, I really mean in a couple different ways. Um, I think most of us have probably had some moments of just, um, oh, intense, immediate kind of bone chilling fear. Uh, I can remember in my own life, there have been two times, one when I was relatively young and probably someplace I shouldn't have been. <laughs> I'm sure I was. But I've had two times where I've had uh, guns pointed at me and uh, in not a good way. And uh, one of those was in my early 20s in Atlanta, Georgia, coming out of a theater late at night uh, in a uh, relatively empty parking lot. And there were two young men who decided they wanted to rob me and the woman that I was dating that night. And fortunately, they took my wallet and and uh, did not take the car or anything else, and we were not hurt. Uh, but I can remember being really, really afraid. But the other kind of fear is a, is a longer, slower kind of fear, the kind of fear that we, uh, many of us have these days around what we perceive uh, as being uh, long-term challenges, political challenges, challenges to our very democracy uh, here in the USA and um, in some other places in the Western world, of course, and other places in the world, but also a profound kind of fear, I think, sometimes over where we are going uh, with regard to the natural world with regard to our ecology and uh, climate change and all the overshoot things. So, but what we're going to do is we're going to look at some poetry today, which I think is uh, is really a kind of elixir for uh, these kinds of difficult times when we really are afraid, um, uh, particularly that longer, more existential, uh, existential, excuse me, kind of fear. And I thought we'd start with a um, Rilke quote, that wonderful German poet. He said said it like this, talking about fear. He says, perhaps all the dragons in our lives, perhaps all the dragons in our lives are princesses who are only waiting to see us act just once with beauty and courage. Perhaps everything that frightens us in its deepest essence, something helpless that wants our love is something helpless that wants our love. Now, that's kind of an amazing way to frame up fear. Uh, that's uh, 
the great German poet Rilke. Um, perhaps everything that frightens us in its deepest essence is something helpless that wants our love. Well, let's jump right into our first poem. I think this is a great poem for um, uh, reading to reassure ourselves. You know, um, I think fear and despair often, um, particularly long-standing fear, kind of a low-grade fear, like we were talking about with ecological concerns, uh, can often oscillate between fear and um, also despair. And so this first poem is by the great poet William Stafford, who, if you have uh, followed this uh, podcast, you know that uh, I am a big William Stafford fan. And uh, the poem is called Assurance. And it goes like this. You will never be alone. You, you will never be alone. You hear so deep a sound when autumn comes Yellow pulls across the hills and thrums, or the silence after lightning before it says its names. And then the clouds, wide-mouthed apologies. You were aimed from birth. You were aimed from birth. You will never be alone. You will never be alone. Rain will come. Rain will come a gutter filled and Amazon, long aisles. You never heard so deep a sound. Moss on rock and years. Moss on rock and years. You turn your head. You turn your head. That's what the silence meant. That's what the silence meant. You're not alone. You're not alone. The whole wide world pours down. You never heard so deep a sound, moss on rock, moss on rock, and years and years. You turn your head. You turn your head. That's what the silence meant. You're not alone. You're not alone. The whole wide world pours down. William Stafford, of course, born in 1914, died in 1993. He left us a whole bunch of poems, and uh, so many of them I love. And uh, a great poet, a great spirit to turn to when we are feeling afraid. Now, let's keep cooking. I think one of the greatest um, antidotes to fear, and for that matter, as we were saying, this kind of sometimes this oscillation between fear and despair, uh, one elixir is to get busy doing something useful that helps someone, anyone. Just get busy doing something that matters to you and to other people. So why not? A poem, the perfect poem, I think, for this by Marge Piercy. It's called To Be of Use. To Be of Use, Marge Piercy, wonderful poet, amazing poet. I've loved her work for a long time. You can find her, her books, her poetry, much of it's on the web, including this poem, To Be of Use. 
The people I love the best, this is how she starts the poem, the people I love the best jump into work headfirst without dallying in the shallows and swim off with sure strokes almost out of sight. They seem to become natives of that element, the black sleek heads of seals bouncing like half-submerged balls. I love people who harness themselves, who harness themselves an ox to a heavy cart, who pull like water buffalo with massive patience, who strain in the mud and the muck to move things forward, who do what has to be done again and again. I want to be with people who submerge in the task who submerge in the task, who go, who go into the fields to harvest and work in a row and pass the bags along, who are not parlor generals and field deserters, but move in a common rhythm, a common rhythm, when the food must come in or the fire be put out. The work of the world, the work of the world is common as mud. The work of the world is common as mud. Botched, it smears the hands, crumbles to dust. But the thing worth doing, the thing worth doing, well done, the thing worth doing well done has a shape that satisfies, clean and evident. Mm, Greek, amorphous for wine or oil, Hopi vases that held corn are put in museums, but you know they were made to be used. The pitcher cries for water to carry and a person for work that is real. So indeed, one of the great um, elixirs, cures, antidotes to fear and despair is to get busy doing something useful uh, that helps someone, anyone. I was speaking to a friend of mine recently about uh, doing acts that if we act in ways that there's no regret, a no regret action, whether it works or not, it doesn't matter <laughs> whether it works or not, if it's something that is means something to us, and it's something hopefully that serves some other person or some other persons, and um, that's what I call a no regrets plan or act. Okay, um, here's a quote by the amazing activist Rosa Parks, who uh, hmm, what an amazing woman she was. She said uh, a little quote. She said, I have learned over the years, I've learned over the years that when one's mind is made up, this diminishes fear. It diminishes fear. Knowing what must be done does away with fear. Well, she can certainly speak as a courageous human being with great authority when it comes to fear. Okay, let's keep cooking. Um, this poem is called, What Kind of Times Are These? 
and this is the poet Adrian Rich. Um, actually, I don't know if I said it. I should uh, make sure I say that Marge Piercy is a contemporary poet, born in 1936, still writing poetry to this very day, and good stuff. Yeah. Okay. What kind of, so we're switching to Adrian Rich. Uh, and while I'm talking about the poet for a moment, she was born in 1929 and she passed from this plane on 2012. She was an amazing social justice activist. Well, first she was a stellar poet, <laughs> award-winning stellar poet, but she was also a social justice activist and feminist. And uh, I think this is a delicious, wonderful poem, and I think it fits in this uh, theme of ours. What do we need to hear? What do we need to say or do when we are afraid? All, you know, all different kinds of fear. Okay, what kind of times are these? That's the title of this poem. And it goes like this, first line. There's a place between two stands of trees where the grass grows up hill, and the old revolutionary road breaks off into shadows near a meeting house abandoned by the persecuted who disappeared into those shadows. I've walked there picking mushrooms at the edge of dread. Beautiful line. I've walked there picking mushrooms at the edge of dread. But don't be fooled. But don't be fooled. This isn't a Russian poem. This is not somewhere else. But here, our country moving closer to its own truth and dread. Its own ways of making people disappear. I won't tell you where the place is the dark mesh of the woods meeting the unmarked strip of light, ghost-ridden crossroads, leaf-mold paradise. I know already who wants to buy it, sell it, make it disappear, make it disappear. And I won't tell you where it is. I won't tell you where it is. So why do I tell you anything? So why... Do I tell you anything? Because, because you still listen. Because in times like these, to have you listen at all, it's necessary to talk about trees. Adrian Rich, what kind of times are these? I won't tell you where the place is. I won't tell you where the place is. The dark mesh of the woods, of the woods, meeting the unmarked strip of light, ghost-ridden crossroads, leaf, mold, paradise. I know already who wants to buy it, sell it, Make it disappear. And I won't tell you where it is. So why do I tell you anything? Why do I tell you anything? Because you still listen. Because you still listen. Because in times like these, to have you listen at all, 
it's necessary to talk about trees. So much going on in that poem. Um, I'm able to walk inside and, uh, you know, there's just so many images, ghost-ridden crossroads, internal uh, rhymes, um, you know, the edge of dread, um, uh, all these different uh, delicious, um, you know, and, and a, a kind of haunting. And uh, I'm not sure, you know, um, that she's talking about, uh, is she talking about that she needs to talk about trees because that's the only way to get our attention. Um, um, you know, uh, she's talking about the persecuted who disappeared into these shadows. There's just so much going on in this poem. But there's something about stepping into this fear directly. You know, it's it's that paradox paradoxical intention. When you step into the fear, when you share a story about your own fear, about something that's happening with you, about something, a fear that is so difficult, you can't even quite name it sometimes. But if you can share that fear, if you can be with kindred spirits, if you can write a poem or a, a, even a, a short little essay or, or, or anything to speak it to another and have that other person begin to um, speak as kindred spirit to you, in the fear so you can share it and hear their fears somehow or another there's some paradoxical magic that happens and even though maybe the external world has not changed a bit there's something there um there's something there that has us feel better less fearful the great um, Thich Nhat Hanh, who just died um, maybe a year and a half or two ago, not very long ago. Here's a quote from Thich Nhat Hanh. What an amazing um, spiritual leader, we could say. He was. He remains. His memories. Thich Nhat Hanh said, Fear keeps us focused on the past or worried about the future. Fear keeps us focused on the past or worried about the future. If we can acknowledge our fear, we can realize that right now we are okay. Right now, today, we are still alive and our bodies are working marvelously. Our eyes can still see the beautiful sky. Our ears can still hear the voices of our loved ones. The voices of our loved ones. Okay. We are, as I always like to say, we are headed for the barn now. This is our last poem. Uh, and remember our theme. Our theme is, what do you need to hear? What words do you need to say or listen to? Uh, maybe you need to write some words when uh, we need to write words when we're afraid. But uh, what language do you need? What words, what stories do you need? Well, here's one that I've liked for a long time. And it makes me feel less afraid, like that first poem I did by William Stafford called Assurance, always kind of picks me up in an inspirational way, in a fear-reducing way. This one is also by William Stafford, and it's called, appropriately, 
for this podcast, this episode, For My Young Friends Who Are Afraid, For My Young Friends Who Are Afraid by William Stafford. Here we go. There is a country to cross. There is a country to cross. You will find in the corner of your eye, in the quick slip of your foot, air far down a snap that might have caught. And maybe for you, and maybe for you, for me, a high passing voice that finds its way by being afraid. That country is there. That country is there for us, for us, carried as it is crossed. What you fear will not go away. It will take you into yourself and bless you and keep you. That's the world, and we all live there. William Stafford has this amazing way, at least for me, as I walk inside this poem and have my experience. He has this amazing way of saying things that do not deny the more fierce and difficult facts in this life. But somehow or another, as we were saying before, almost in a paradoxical way, by not denying it, by stepping fully into it, by facing it in a way, as Rilke talks about, uh, by stepping into the fear, as the great poet Rumi often talked about, that we actually diminish that fear, uh, feeling of fear in ourselves. Stafford said it like this. He said, there is a country to cross. You will find in the corner of your eye, in the quick slip of your foot, air far down, a snap that might have caught. And maybe for you, for me, a high passing voice that finds its way by being afraid. So we only find our way by being afraid. This voice, maybe our voice, maybe we find ourselves by stepping into our fear. That country is there for us. That country is there for us, carried as it is crossed. Carried as it is crossed. What you fear will not go away. It will take you into yourself and bless you and keep you. That's the world. That's the world. And we all live there. That's the world, and we all live there. William Stafford, born 1914, died 1993, born in the Midwest, died in right outside of Portland, Oregon, uh, in Lake Oswego, where he lived for many years. Um. Ada Lamone, who's the poet laureate right now, U.S. poet laureate, I thought I'd end with a quote by her. She says, I'm afraid that I won't do the right thing in the face of disaster. I'm afraid that I won't do the right thing in the face of disaster. Or I'm afraid I will be stupidly brave. (laughs) Or I'm afraid I will be stupidly brave. (laughs) How's that for a little paradox? Okay, there you go. That's a wrap. That is a wrap. 
I hope you have enjoyed this episode. I hope some of these poems had you uh, go, yes, maybe that would be a good poem for me when I'm afraid. Maybe I need to put that in my poetry first aid kit. So if you've learned something today or if you've been inspired, then, you know, make a comment, uh, do a like. Um, I'd love it if you'd send this podcast to somebody else, one other person that you know that would uh, uh, maybe like to have more poetry in their life or like to have stories about poetry. You know, that might make sense for them. Okay, so there you go. As I always say, in the meantime, before next time and next poems, please take good care of yourself.